What are you doing after we record? I am going to the gym. You go to the gym? Yeah, I do. Oh, I you just never mentioned it. I didn't know that you went to the gym. I never mentioned it. I just never mentioned that I went to the gym. <laughs> do you have a daughter? You never mention her. You live in Jersey City? You never mention it. When do I mention Jersey City? <laughs> oh, that's me. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to our fitness podcast. You started just, this. What did I start? You started this. What did I start? I want to have a nice day with you, but you started off on the wrong foot with me. Shall we start over? All I wanted to know was where you were going. No, I know where this was going. You have a bad attitude. Your attitude is bad. You have a bad attitude. Okay. By the time everyone listens to this, we will have done our first live show. How did it go? Tell the people. Well, turns out baby Jesus was correct. It was a hit. <laughs> You guys, it was Joey's first podcast live show. Well, you did a great job on your 752nd live show. I'm very proud of you. It was so fun. Anyway, thank you so much to those of you out there who came and to those of you who are going to meet us in Columbus. We can't wait to squeeze your faces. It's going to be the best. Anyway, we will see you live somewhere, hopefully. Or if you can't come see us live and you'd like a little bit more of Joey, join us on the Drama Club for our bonus episodes, our ad-free episodes, all that kind of fun. We are maybe going to be adding a couple more things to the Drama Club here soon. That's right, baby. We just have to get through Obsessed Fest, and then we got a couple of big announcements for you all that we cannot wait to share. You can find us on our Patreon on our website by clicking the Patreon link on on our website. You can get over a hundred ad-free and bonuses. We have AMAs up there. We have our hot takes episode up there. So lots of catching up to do. If you are new to the Patreon, we would love to see you. But uh, other than that, should we get to the episode? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, do, do you need a lozenge? <laughs> Season 9, Episode 3, Troubled Waters, tells the story of the disappearance of Amy Bradley. A star athlete embarks on a Caribbean cruise with her family. I thought, well, that would just be a fantastic trip of a lifetime. In international waters, she suddenly goes missing from her cabin. I looked out on the balcony and Amy wasn't there. Leaving her tight-knit family desperate for answers. I told him, you can't do this. You can't lower the gangplanks. You got to back the ship off of the dock. Over the course of 20 years, they've traveled the world to find her. Amy! It was a ghost town. There's nobody anywhere. Their lives forever changed by her baffling disappearance. Because it's torturous to think about a million things and just not know. When somebody takes your daughter, will do anything to find your child. A lot of people are going to know this case. It's a very famous case. A lot of people have been waiting for this episode. Yeah. It's really, really well known. You knew this case, oh, right? Oh, yeah. I knew it immediately. Also, I've seen a ton of TikToks about this case. There's a lot of conspiracy theories yeah. out there surrounding this case. You know, I don't think we're giving anything away by saying that. But really just the mystery surrounding mm -hmm. this because there's just so many possibilities as to what could have happened. It's really sad. Yeah, it is. But let's dive in. March. 1998, the Bradley family, Ron, Iva, Brad, and Amy, enjoy a meal aboard the cruise ship Rhapsody of the Seas. They're sailing the Caribbean together on a week-long family vacation. 
We had the opportunity to take our kids and thought that would be a really great time. The cruise is a great way for the whole family to be together again. So here we are. It's March of 1998. Great year to graduate high school. Bad year to be Bill Clinton. Real bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. We all remember that speech, don't we? Oh, my God. Gen Z. Adults are talking right now, Gen Z. (laughs) I remember that. And I remember I was in Bible college. And I remember my professor, I use that in quotations. He's using quotes. Yep. uh, Saying that, you know, he's, well, he's got to be impeached. What he did is disgusting. He's got to be impeached. And I was just like, I remember all I was thinking was like, I got to get out of Bible college so I can marry a boy. (laughs) (laughs) So, but not only that, the Bradley family, this is a positively adorable family. Very sweet. Very nuclear family. You know, mother, father, one boy, one girl. You know, I'm sure they had a dog in there somewhere. Beautiful family from Virginia. And as I said, they have a daughter, Amy, and a son, Brad. Now, I just need to say this and get it over with. Okay. Okay? Let's just throw it on out there. Brad Bradley. Yes. Yeah. So I Googled it, and Uh there are actually a lot of Brad Bradleys. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a very famous, like, sports photographer named Brad Bradley. There's a Broadway guy named Brad Bradley. Like, his last show was uh, Billy Elliot, so he's there. But it's true, because it was on Google. If there's one thing I know, it's that, you know, Google doesn't lie. (laughs) So I don't feel bad at pointing this out. But could you imagine (laughs) loving your last name so much that you're like, I need to repeat it. I need to repeat it. I'm going to repeat it again. Yeah. You know, I don't judge people for what they name their children. Okay. But I do. Yeah. And um, <laughs> in junior high, there was a girl whose name was Sunrise mm-hmm. Sunset. Okay. Yeah. I'm not lying. Yeah. I just, it's a weird decision. Those are all weird decisions to me. I just, Brad, Brad Bradley. Brad Bradley's a looker. Number one, he is adorable. So handsome. I just like, I want to get in the headspace of being like, here's your baby. What do you want to name it? And just be like, honestly, I'm I'm exhausted. Double it. Whatever yeah. my name is, double it. <gasps> it would be like if your mom named you Marsha Marsh. Yeah. Right. Anyway, they, I just had to get that over with because they're going to say, Brad Bradley a bunch of times, and I I love this family. 23-year-old Amy has just moved into her own apartment and has plans to start a new job after the cruise. She was offered a a job with uh, her aunt's husband in the computer business, and she was going to start that when she came back from the trip. So she had a lot lot of things going for her. Oldest daughter, Amy, who was 23, had graduated college, had moved into her own apartment, and their son, Brad, 21, was in college still. So the family hadn't lived together all under the same roof for a while, and they're like, we're all going to be together in the same cabin for a week. It's going to be great. Yeah. Now, I am going to slip into a little bit of an expert position. Okay. Because I worked on cruise ships. Oh, right. For almost two years after I graduated college, and I also, post-working there, You know, that's where I met my ex-husband, you know, for another podcast. He stayed on cruise ships for the first handful of years we were together. So I was on and off cruise ship. So the cruise ship life and industry is very familiar to me. And it is wild. Now, this family was so excited for this cruise. They had been planning it. And, like, cruising is equal parts, like, decadent and exciting. But then it's also confusing. You know, you see a spectrum of people on cruise ships. Got it. I used to get asked crazy questions on cruise ships. Like what? Does this elevator go up? 
What time is the midnight buffet? Oh, this is my favorite. Where does the crew sleep? Oh, I got you, ma'am. We zip line ashore every night. <laughs> we sleep out in wherever we are. No, we helicopter back in to serve you your fish and chips for lunch. What? For the record, I've never been on a cruise mm-hmm. because I have no desire to go on a cruise. It doesn't sound appealing yeah. to me. It doesn't sound, I have no judgments. You live your best life. But I don't want to go on a cruise line and listen to, you know, Kathy Lee Gifford singing, In the morning, in yeah. the evening. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, thanks for joining our cruise ship podcast. Join us next week. Despite being an accomplished swimmer, Amy was a little apprehensive when she heard about the cruise, as she's always been afraid of the open ocean. Amy hadn't ever been on a cruise, and she wasn't a big fan of big boats and open water and all that kind of stuff. But we um, we talked a lot about it, and I explained to her how much fun I had on the one I had been on previously. And with a little coaxing from her brother, Amy eventually came around. They also make it a point to say that she was an amazing swimmer, yes. but had a fear of open water. And same. Yeah. Have you ever watched that movie, Open Water? No, because that taps into a fear for me. Yeah. It's so vast, and you can't see what's... The ocean is vast. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, it's I'm vast. A... Is it? What else is vast? Your vagina. No! Uh... But, I mean, it's so scary because you don't see what's swimming up to you. Yeah, there is a named phobia for that. What is it? It's called thalassophobia. Seriously. Okay. Yeah, it's a real thing. Oh, I believe it. Because it's the fear of what you don't know. Yeah. It's, It's all very scary. So, Amy wasn't super psyched about going on the cruise, but Brad was like, we will have a blast, everything will be fine, and she agreed. So, it's March 21st, 1998, and everyone Boards the Rhapsody of the Seas in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And this boat was huge. Huge. Gigantic. Yeah. And they're absolutely floating cities. Now, my very first cruise ship docked in and out of San Juan. Mm. I, I loved it. Some of the best sushi I've ever had. I'm not even lying. Really? Yeah. So I imagine a handful of people listening have been on cruise ships. And if you haven't, I think it's a really interesting way to travel. Now, remember, there everything is there. You've got shops. You've got a beauty salon. You've got massage parlors. You've got a nail salon. Every grocery store. Everything you need is there. So it is quite literally a floating city. And that's why people love it so much because there's kind of like something for everybody. Yeah. everybody. And you can go and it's the same thing. It's very, you know, there are the nicest of rooms to tiny little rooms. Well, this family really splashed out. They had a beautiful balcony room, much more expensive, on the 10th floor. After two days at sea, the Bradleys are in their cabin, getting ready for a formal dinner on board. We were all getting fancied up for dinner. I had tuxedo, and Amy was in a long black dress. We were all dressed in the tux and the gowns, and uh, I remember Amy coming up to us and had a rose for each one of us, so that was pretty special. The Bradleys dine alongside other guests as the cruise liner makes its way from its first stop of Aruba to the island of Curacao. Yeah, and so this evening they were getting dressed up real fancy for dinner. They were talking tuxes and gowns. Honey, they will literally send you back up to your room if you do not look fly. They will be like, really? yeah, oh yeah. They're like, it is formal night, ma'am. No Chico's tonight. You go upstairs and put a floor-length <laughs> gown. I'm so happy that you hit that 50% off sale at Dick's Sporting Goods. Yeah. But you can't showcase nope. it tonight. On formal nights, you better be in some an asymmetrical top with a sequin at, a, <laughs> at the very least. You are not coming to dinner 
tonight, Mr. Pfeffer. No, you're Foffin not. Pfeffer? No, Ms. Pfeffer. you can come down on casual night in that outfit. No Tommy Bahama tonight, sir. Absolutely <laughs> I'm not. I'm so sorry, Miss Liptonstein. No kitten heels tonight. Yeah. Stilettos only. <laughs> so, at this point, the ship had stopped in Aruba, and now it was on its way to Curacao. And now, so, again, like we said, they were going to dinner. And this is the part of cruise culture that I don't think I want to participate in. Mm -hmm. It's kind of my worst nightmare. And I think it's because I was raised in church having to talk to people I didn't want to talk to. Mm -hmm. Sitting at a dinner with strangers, making small talk with people over an entire dinner, three-course meal. Mm -hmm. That's not my ministry. Yeah. I don't want to do it, especially when I'm on vacation. When Nick and I went down to Mexico, we were basically the only gay couple there. And we were in Speedos. And I told Nick, I was like, let's, you know, we'll say hello and stuff. But I really just want to sip on my pina colada and mind my business. Well, let me tell you something. Those Speedos were like magnets. (laughs) People came over and talked to us and like, now, where are you from? I was like, oh, fuck. Uh, So the small talk happened. But I could swim off when I needed to. You can't swim away from a dinner. No, you okay. can't. So, no, everyone wants to go home and be like, you know, I met a gay couple. They're so nice. Yes. No, I, I had no idea gay people could be so nice. They're just like us. They're just like us. I mean, they did wear Speedos, yes. which was confusing to Earl over there. Because yeah. he was very confused with his, you know, internalized homophobia. <laughs> Weren't you, Earl? You were confused by the Speedos, huh? I could, Well, it seemed like their ding-dong was staring me right in the face. Yeah, it, but, but let me tell you, they were so nice. So, so nice. nice. So that night, they had their dinner, and they went up to the deck party. There's always a deck party. It was a Calypso night. You Come know, on, Calypso. A lot of women in capri pants getting white lady wine drunk and a lot of white <laughs> men's overbite dancing to, how you feeling? Hot, yeah. hot, well- hot. Amy befriends some of the ship's crew, and Brad mingles with some of the other passengers. Around 1 a.m., Ron and Iva decide to call it a night. So they came up to both of us and, you know, told us they loved us and they were going to head to bed. Amy and her brother Brad follow the rest of the partygoers from the pool deck into the ship's dance club. And we know that Amy met some of the ship's crew, which, ding, ding, not allowed. You can't fraternize with passengers beyond a kind, like, nice hello. I'll break that down a little bit later because there's a very strict hierarchy on cruise ships between officers, staff, and crew. You know, which which leads to some of the theories that happened to Amy to Got be it. a little bit confusing. But we see the crew's surveillance footage of that night. Was that eerie to you? Yeah. It was very eerie to me. That's always, I mean, because it's it's the last known sighting of somebody that always sends shivers up my spine. So they go to the Calypso party and then they went up to the disco. Discos go, you know, till two, three, they stay open till people are there. So Papa Ron and Mama Iva called it a night around 1 a.m. And that's when Amy and Brad headed to the club. They're doing the bus stop. We see footage of the bus stop. I love the bus stop. Uh Uh-huh. Not for you? No. Okay. And so basically, you know, Brother Brad says we were both doing our own things. I had met a couple people. I was hanging out with them. And my sister Amy was doing her own thing with her own people she had met. And again, we see video surveillance of Amy at the disco. And she's dancing with one of the singers from the band by the name of Alistair. But he goes by the nickname Yellow. So then Brother Brad Bradley tells us he gets tired around 345. And he calls it a night. 
And Amy was only 20 minutes behind him. And then they sat out on the balcony talking about what they were going to do in Curacao, you know, just shooting the shit. You know, they were both intoxicated. Fine. You're on vacation. Live your life. Yeah. Brad wanted to go to sleep and Amy wanted to stay out on the balcony for some fresh air. I'm telling you, that ocean air is so nice. I don't blame her for wanting to just sit out there and just breathe that fresh air for a little bit. So, yeah, she hangs out on the balcony and sometime before sunrise, Papa Ron wakes up and sees Amy out there on the balcony and he's thinking, okay, she's home. Brad's home. They're safe. I'm going to go back to bed. And close to 6 a.m., Papa Ron wakes up again and he doesn't see Amy on the balcony. Right. And he wasn't really concerned. He was like, you know, she probably went up and took pictures of the sunrise or something. So he's like, all right, let me get up and see where she is. She's not in the bed. So he kind of like, you know, strolled around the decks looking for Amy. An hour passes, no Amy. And now he's not so, you know, nonchalant anymore. He's pretty chalant. And he heads back to the cabin, no Amy. On the way back, when I finished looking, I was coming back to the room, and the head security officer was standing about, I guess, 30, 40 feet from my room and told him that I, you know, Amy was missing. By the time Ron makes it back to the cabin, he's panic-stricken. Woke up. Uh, he touched my foot at uh, 7 in the morning. I remember waking her up and telling her, I can't find Amy, and her eyes flew open. What do you mean you can't find Amy? I said, I can't find her. She's not in the room. Now, we bumps into a security officer, and he says, you know, Amy was missing. So, he, you know, he's freaking out. I can't find her now. You know, he makes it seem like, you know, that security officer is, you know, non-pulsed. Yeah. And that doesn't surprise me because their main concern is docking the ship. Maritime law is very strict. Oh. The gangway's got to come down in a certain way. I, I don't doubt that they had other things on their mind from a major debark day. Sure. And they were probably thinking she'll show up. Yeah. So the family gets dressed, runs downstairs, and they talk to the captain. Now, that gave me a little bit of pause because the captain is a hard... It's not He's not accessible. Yeah, hard person to see. I mean, I was friends with a couple of the captains, and they were hard people to reach. Yes, and I think they said that they went to the purser first, Mm -hmm. and then somehow ended up in front of the captain. And according to Papa Ron, he was like, the captain said, listen, we're not going to make an announcement. That's what they wanted him to do. He's like, we don't want to disturb the passengers. Not surprising. They begged him. They said, please don't lower the gangway because once you do, you know, almost 3,000 people disembark and what if she's being held or what, what, you can't do it. And they're like, sorry, these people, you know, they went on kayak and got their vacations and they're here. And if we keep them from going into Curacao, they're going to miss their onshore activities or whatever they've planned. And at the end of the day, honey, it's a multi-billion dollar business. I mean, I would not respond well to that. I mean, especially when he's like, don't disturb the passengers. I'd be like, how about I disturb your colon with this steel toe boot I'm about to shove up your ass? Yeah. You're going to make an announcement. Yeah. And so... They lower the gangway, and there's no Amy. Now, this mom is killing me. Mama Iva is slowly breaking my heart. I was like Tony Braxton through the whole thing. I was like, Mama Iva, break my heart. (laughs) I mean, it's this interview that they conduct with the family is 20 years later, and she is still as brokenhearted like it was yesterday. Yeah. So passengers disembark. Yeah, and they're like, "Bye, good luck with your project." Literally. Best of luck finding your daughter. Yeah. See you for dinner at 7 o'clock. Exactly. As thousands of passengers disembark to the island, the captain assures the Bradley family he will conduct a thorough search of the entire ship. 
But several hours later, he returns with bad news. He had come back in and said that they had searched the ship in its entirety and that Amy wasn't on the ship. And I think at that time, I, I kind of blacked out a little bit. Several hours later, they get back to the Bradley family and they're like, you know, sorry, hope you enjoyed your sushi. Yeah. We didn't find anything. Yeah, we didn't find anything. Sorry, but we're like, we got to scooch on out of here. And they're like, you're more than welcome to stay. Tonight we have like ice sculpture carving, uh, you know, or you can get off at Curacao. And they're like, what do you do? Are You know, you have to make a snap decision. I mean, my first thought was, Maybe they split up, but like again, who would want to do that? You right. know, you would want to like you know stay with your family. So they disembark in Curacao. Yeah, it's funny going back a little bit. Mama Iva says that when they reported back to her that they didn't find her anywhere on the ship, she's like I, in tears. She said, "I blacked out a little." Yeah, and I would imagine so because you are completely out of control. Yeah, there is nothing you can do. You're not. You're in a foreign country. You're on the water. The jurisdiction uh, surrounding those kinds of things are very dicey. I mean, you cannot get the amount of support you need in in order to get done what would normally get done if you were on land in America. Yeah. So immediately, the family goes to the American embassy to get help. So they enlist the help of the local navy to search the water surrounding. Surrounding Curacao in case Amy fell overboard and had perhaps tried to swim ashore. They had boats and helicopters out there for hours, and the family could watch this search happen yeah. from the shore. And sadly, they find no trace of Amy. So now the Bradleys have kind of exhausted everything in Curacao. They've looked everywhere. They've had some conch, which is delicious, by the way. <laughs> have you had conch? I don't even know what conch is. Yeah, you do a conch shell. Like those big shells that you like hold up to your ear? Yes. That's conch. You can eat them? Oh my God, it's so good. The meat on the inside. Never heard of that in I my mean, life. you've never really been picky with the kind of meat that you put in your mouth, so I'm really curious why you wouldn't eat conch. You know what, Ellen? <laughs> what? I won't argue with you. <laughs> <laughs> I've had alligator sausage, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and uh, so the Bradleys are like, all right, let's regroup. Let's go back to the cruise ship and meet them in St. Martin. But they went on with their best friend the FBI. You interview folks that are uh, last known to have seen that individual or folks that you believe that are involved, and a lot of interviews get conducted. FBI agents start with the people on board closest to Amy, her family. And then uh, they had interviews during the day of you know, different people that were on the, on the ship. Special agents talk to as many of the approximately 2,900 passengers and crew as possible. And so the crew absolutely cooperated with officials, so they say. Right. And we meet FBI Special Agent Aaron Sheridan, and she says they began conducting a lot of interviews, starting with the family, because obviously they're the ones who are closest to her. And they interviewed everyone in the family separately. They, they made a sketch of the balcony, where the chairs were, where Amy had been sitting. And then the FBI starts interviewing passengers and crew members and they spoke with a lot of people. Remember, there was like 2,900 people on board. Yeah. And so remember that guy, Alistair, that I said she was dancing with at the disco? He was a member of the band. And people saw her in the elevator, like at the wee hours. Now, that is confusing. Even though this is 1998, <laughs> there were cameras everywhere. But people saw her in the elevator. We don't have any surveillance of that. Yeah. And so we do see footage of her on the dance floor with Alistair. That's the last footage we see. Yes. So people say, well, we saw her going in the elevator with him. 
That could have just been as she was leaving, going up back to yeah, the room. Yeah, because was that at like 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning? Because remember, Brad went back to the room. They sat on the balcony for a while. Papa Ron woke up like before the sunrise, let's say 5 o'clock, you know? They like, don't have real time Yeah, stamps. the timeline is really, really confusing. So, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned security cameras because I was like, my question is this, how does the ship not have more security cameras? And we knew as a crew, when working on ships, you know where the cameras are. Because if you're doing something naughty, like people would like smoke cigarettes or smoke pot or do something, people knew how to get out of the line of the cameras and the cameras were everywhere. Wow. Yeah. Such a bad girl. Uh, Not me. (laughs) Brad is haunted by an encounter he had with Douglas just a few hours after Amy went missing. I'm sitting by the pool at a table, and up walks this guy, Yellow, um, Alistair Douglas. And the first thing he says is, oh, I'm sorry to hear about your sister. There had been no announcement made. Uh, there was no loudspeaker about her disappearance or the fact that she was missing. What did he know happened to my sister? So then Brother Brad says he remembers he had a weird run-in with band member Alistair a few hours after Amy went missing. And Brad was like, listen, I wasn't in my right frame of mind at the time, and all I remember saying was thank you. But then later on, I had time to think about it, and I was like, wait a minute. There hadn't been an announcement of Amy's disappearance. How could he have known? And that stood out to him. Yeah, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. There's no secrets on cruise ships. Sure. If you take an extraordinarily long poop, someone's going to come knocking on your door and be like, is everything okay with your tummy? I have some emodium. Yeah. And like everyone knows who's sleeping with who. Everyone knows who left the crew bar with who. There's no secrets. Because remember, we have a whole world downstairs. There's a whole world downstairs. There's shops, there's bars, there's bathrooms, there's cabins. And so everything that goes on upstairs, we hear it all. So that actually didn't surprise me. I understand why Brad would think that, but everyone would have known. Well, so it's like living in New York City because you can hear everybody's everything in New York City. Yeah, in those if apartments. something happens, like there was a, you know, there was a woman who had a heart attack on the Lido deck. We all knew downstairs within like seven minutes. Wow. Yeah. So I would understand why he would get upset, but it does track that that guy would know. Sure. And so the FBI interviews Alistair immediately because he potentially could have been the last person to see her that yep. day. So they give him a poly and Papa Ron says, you know, I saw Alistair exit his interview and was put off by his demeanor. He like gave a thumbs up to his bandmates and seemed unaffected and that really pissed Papa Ron off. Mm-hmm. You know, listen, I probably, if I was in his position, would be infuriated as well. Yeah. But also, you just never know. You know, people are so uncomfortable when it comes to those sort of things. Who knows? Yeah. And I mean, it, he could have just been... It could have just been in poor taste. Sure. Or he, you know, could have been a fucking turd biscuit. Like, totally. we, we don't know. It's one or the other. So, yeah. and the FBI can't confirm that Alistair knew anything. They were just hammered dancing. Yeah. Or maybe he had something to do with it. Absolutely. But, but And also, without that time frame, without time stamps, they can't cannot pinpoint where each person was at what time. Right. So it's March 28th and the Bradleys sadly Bradley is sadly, wow, that's, that sounds that sounds wrong, but it yes, is right. It is right. The Bradleys fly back to Virginia. They're so upset and Devastated. they go home and they just blast her disappearance everywhere, calling, emailing, flyers. They make a website. They did everything. Now, FBI special agent 
Bradley Bryant. I know. I, I, it's I like, know. It's like, hey, the director of the episode was like, hey, we're really interested in keeping a theme of the episode. Um, and they're like, what's the theme? They're like, the name Bradley. And he's like, I got a guy. I got a guy. Bradley Bryant is going to come on down. He's like, I have been waiting my whole fucking life for this. So we have Brad Bradley, Bradley Bryant. You are not allowed to be on this episode unless you have a name adjacent to the name Bradley. Listen, if I were a member of the Bradley family and they're like, we have a special agent named Bradley assigned to your case, I'd be like, I'm going to take that as a sign. Yeah. (laughs) I would take it. And so basically he's assigned to dig deeper into Amy's life. Special Agent Bradley Bryant spends weeks conducting interviews with people from Amy's life. I found that uh, Amy was very outgoing, a very friendly person. Uh, She had an upbeat personality. Pretty much everyone I interviewed said that she had a lot of friends. Uh, She's the kind of person who could strike up a conversation with anyone and often did. The FBI's research generates no further clues. And basically what they find out is what they already knew. She was super friendly, could strike up a conversation with anyone, and she often did. And they aren't able to produce much new information except that one possibility is very unlikely. In the purposes of this investigation, they were like, we're going to mostly rule out suicide. Yeah. So the Bradleys are all over the media and they post, hold on to your butts, they post a $260,000 reward for her safe return. I'm going to guess you're going to get a whole lot of tips with that kind of number. Absolutely. I mean, that is beautiful and wonderful that they would be willing to put down that much money, but also really scary for what that amount of money can, you know, flag down. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, granted, you do have to provide information that leads to her whereabouts, but people are stupid. People are horrible. They are monsters, as we will find out even more of. And so in April, a month after Amy's disappearance, Papa Ron and Brother Brad decide to go back to Curacao to see if they can get any new information on Amy. I would do the same. Yeah, they're talking to people, asking questions, locals and tourists. And then they were approached by, I love the way they say this. I was approached by an old Allen guy. He was a taxi driver. And he said, are you the father of of the girl that's missing? I said, yes, I am. An Allen guy? <laughs> So he was approached by an Allen guy. Yes, an Allen guy. That sweet Virginia accent. <laughs> I was like, a what? And this man comes over and says, um, I want you to know your daughter is here on this island. Bye-bye. Hope you find her. Literally. Best of luck. They're like, wait, 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 wait. Can you come back, Alanga? And he was like, yeah, I spoke to Amy. She came up to me and asked me for a phone. Bye. Wait, what? Yeah. And he suggests that they search three places on the island for them to search. My whole thing is just that. He suggests they search. Wow, I know, I know, the the brain. uh, I had three cups of coffee. On the search. They searched the search when they went out to the search of the search. And then the search began. Thank you very much. I'm a podcaster now. Um, (laughs) Look how cute you are. Thank you so much. The first location they investigate is a resort on the south coast of the island. It was a big resort right on the beach, and there was about two vehicles at the whole resort. It was a ghost town. I mean, there was nobody anywhere. So we left there, and we went to these other two areas and walked around and did what whatever we thought we could possibly do. 
Ron and Brad hit dead ends at all three locations suggested by the taxi driver. So he says you should search for her at this resort on the south side of the island. They get there and they're like, what resort? This is a ghost town. It was like an abandoned island. There was like two cars and like three pigeons playing like pinochle in the corner. (laughs) They were like, what is going on here? And but, you know, they have to follow every lead. Of course. But they get sent on a wild goose chase and they end up going to the two other areas that were suggested and they aren't able to find anything. Yeah, and then one day they're walking in Curacao and Brad hears someone yells, hey, Brad! And he he's like, that was Amy. That was Amy. Oh, my God. The, he runs after the car. He speeds after them. He's like, are you yelling? Oh my. And it was just like, someone driving a car. Yeah. He made that up. And I, I we were talking before the episode, I knew this phenomenon had a name. I just couldn't remember the name and it's called a bereavement hallucination. And it's like for for lack of, you know, I I'm a scientist. You know, uh, I I got I got my scientist degree at Google. And um <laughs> no, but for lack of a really scientific explanation, it's basically your brain trying to cope. Yeah. It's you, you know, he he was sort of like creating an opportunity for a good resolution. He was like making it up in his head, poor thing. It's like, it's a way to deal with intense emotional pain. It's just one of those things that your brain tricks you and you can't explain it. Yeah, I mean, when something like that happens, I can just imagine you are swirling in a tsunami of emotions that are all equally overwhelming. How do you get your head above that? Yeah, I am consistently in a swirling tsunami of emotions. Yes, uh, you're on my prayer list. Yeah, (laughs) you you pray? Yeah, you... I pray, Milan. <laughs> Do you pray? Uh, I mean, my problems are really pathetic compared to this, but I do find myself in a tsunami of emotions. Yeah. You know what'll fix all that? What? A man. <laughs> That's all you need is a man. <laughs> Say more. (laughs) Yeah. Say more about that. I won't. I enjoy my face. I'd like to keep it. Um, It is a cute face. Thank you. But that trip to Curacao didn't lead to anything. They were not any closer to finding Amy than they were than, you know, before they got there. So over the next 13 months, the family and the FBI get a lot of tips and they have to vet all of these tips. And none of them turn out to be credible until we get to May of 1999. When Amy's case is featured on an episode of America's Most Wanted. A Canadian scuba diver named David Carmichael sees the episode. Mr. Carmichael came forward and said that he had seen Amy. He believed it was Amy on the beach area, um, believed it was her with some individuals. Carmichael tells the FBI that the woman looked just like Amy. He recalls a specific detail that makes Ron and Iva Bradley believe she might actually be their daughter a scuba diver named David Carmichael from Canada was like, I remember seeing a woman five months after Amy went missing and she was on the beach with some men and the woman looked just like her. Whenever I hear these stories, I'm like, what is your memory? What do you have? You have a photographic memory? Yeah. You And I'm not just saying this because I don't notice anything. Like, how do you remember that? I don't remember who I sat next to on the bus this afternoon. I don't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. But what I would think... You had eggs in your caraway pan. Hey, Joey, guess who's back? <laughs> That's exactly what I had. You're such a weirdo. Go I'm ahead. so predictable <laughs> is what I am. 
But okay, here's what I want to say, and that I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. If you notice someone, because he says he saw her flanked by two men and that they were aggressive with her. Mm-hmm. And if you saw some kind of commotion, you are going to laser focus on that, I think, especially if you're on vacation and you're not really doing anything. That's going to draw your attention. And he says that he noticed that she had these very distinctive tattoos, which she did have. Did they say that on the episode, though? Yes. I don't buy it. I would never in a million years, a year later, remember, even if there was a commotion, that someone had a tattoo. And I actually really do have a really, really good memory. Oh, I know you do. I've seen it at work. It's terrifying. So, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I use it in court mostly. Um, I love court. But, yeah, I mean, they were like, I mean, maybe it was her and it gives this family this hope. And it wasn't her. Well, what I would want to know is if on that episode of America's Most Wanted, if they had said she had has defining features such as a tattoo of a Tasmanian devil on her left shoulder. That's what that's what I just said. Do you listen to me when I talk? I did, but we did you say that? Like Yes, I the, did. The, Replay what I just said. Did they say that on America's Most Wanted? Did they say that on the episode though? Yes. See? I had three cups of coffee. That should make you more alert. <laughs> In August of 1999, 17 months after Amy went missing, the Bradley family gets a phone call from an acquaintance who suggests a radical new approach to finding Amy. He said he had someone that was special forces and that this fellow was interested in helping us find Amy. The Bradleys contact the private investigator, a man named Frank Jones. He tells them he specializes in cases like Amy's. Choo-choo, motherfuckers! I hope you have an off-peak ticket on the rage train. Uh, I hope you sit back, you relax. I hope you brought some snacks, maybe some water for some hydration. Stow all of your luggage because the rage train is about to pull out of the station. Your captain, Joey Taranto, is driving. (laughs) It's a lot. If you have a prescription for Xanax, I suggest you take one now. Pause, pause to Mm -hmm. go take one, grab a drink, and then come back to us. There you go. So the family contacts this man who is a P.I. and his name is Frank Jones. He was just telling us that he was instrumental in finding people that were missing. He was very, he's very good at what he did. Within days, he reports back to them a stunning piece of information. Amy is still on the island. She has allegedly been spotted several times on the beach in the company of several men. Jones proposes a mission to see if the rumors are true and asks the Bradleys for more than $24,000 to get his operation off the ground. Yeah, and he says Amy has been spotted so many times on the beach here in Curacao. And he's like, oh, I couldn't possibly help you find her without uh, $24,000 minimum. And then Mama Iva says, When somebody takes your daughter, you'll do anything to find your child. Yeah, of course they'll do anything. $24,000, done. Yeah. If that was my sister, my mother, my brother, my father, I'm going to, of course. I mean, listen, I'm sitting here with, you know, eyes on the outside. But, you know, to quote the great philosopher Joey Taranto, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. (laughs) And also, you know, this family is thinking, okay, well, he has spotted her and he can save her. All right. And so we meet a man named Tim Buckholtz, who's a former Special Forces agent, an actual 
former agent who works as a member of Frank Jones's team. And he, alongside the rest of the team, is told Amy is being held against her will on the island by drug dealers who are trying to ransom her for money. Yeah. And the family's like, okay, okay, I know this is real. This is legit. Can you just send us a picture of Amy? And they're like, no problem. So they send her a picture of a blonde guy with long hair and a woman with a lovely sun hat. Looks like it was just purchased at J. Crew. Yep. And they say the woman has Amy's tattoos. And they were like, all right, let's go. Yep. Here's the money. Here's a hundred thousand dollars to fund this effort. Cause I deeply believe in my heart of hearts that you are going to bring my baby girl back to me. So in October of 2000, he tells the family, I have her exact location. We're going to do it today. The time has come. Tells the family to fly down to Miami, have a private jet waiting to fly to Curacao to get Amy. Mama Iva packs a bag for her, has doctors lined up for her physical health and her mental health, and they are just waiting by the phone in a hotel room for a week. They're not sleeping. No. They are waiting. They are not doing anything. Those poor people are stuck in a hotel room in Miami watching reruns of Welcome Back Cotter because they can't sleep at fucking two o'clock in the morning. They can't eat. They are just waiting for their baby girl to come home. One week they wait, nothing. Then this piece of shit Joan gets back in touch with them and he's like, ugh, bad news. We had to abort the mission because there was a gunfight. We got in a gunfight with Amy's captors. Can you believe it? No, because it was all a scam. Jones's team member, Tim Buckholz, tells Ron and Iva that he was eavesdropping when Jones called them. We were at one of the local bars in, in back one of the hotels. And I'm listening to Frank tell, I think it was Iva, what, what they were doing and stuff. I, I think he was telling the family that they had reconnaissance crews out and they're looking at this, looking at that. Tim told us that wants you to know that Frank Jones is a fraud and he's down here sipping Don Perignon on your nickel. Turns out Tim graduated from DB University with a minor in eavesdropping because he overheard Frank on the phone with them and said, um, I heard him telling Iva all these things that they weren't doing. They weren't actually doing. He said that we were there in like the reconnaissance. No, he wasn't. He was in a bar drinking on your fucking dime. Like some people are absolutely impossible to underestimate. This piece of shit, like, you know, three fourths of his fucking, you know, dick went into his fucking personality. He's taking advantage of this. And the guy, Tim, was like, I'm watching it unfold in front of my eyes. None of this is happening. There was no gunfight. He doesn't know where Amy is. He wanted one thing and one thing alone. He wanted your fucking money and you handed it over because of course they did. Of course. Because of course they want their child back. I mean, like, it's, it's, it is so disheartening, but why is it not at all surprising? I mean, because, uh, you know, there are some very disappointing people in this world. Obviously, the Bradleys inform the FBI and they scoop Frank Jones up in Virginia as soon as his plane hits the tarmac. Yeah. And he got five years in prison for it. And I hope that you get finger blasted by Freddy Krueger in your dreams. <laughs> Yeah, like they basically he landed in Virginia. He's like, they're like, hello, Virginia is for lovers. Also for speeding tickets. Don't forget (laughs) that. And uh, we would like to invite you to the consequences of your own actions right over here. You despicable piece of shit. And you are under a fucking rest. Five years in prison. How about times that fight forever for the trauma that you caused this poor family? I mean, listen, he sent the money back. 
Well, he had to pay yeah. restitution. Right. But, you know, Mama Iva just breaks my heart. She's like, it's not the money. It's the time. Yeah. It's the time we spent when we could have actually been having a search effort for Amy. Money, what, what are you going to do? I'm not going to die with my money. Yeah, I can get the money back. You can't get the time back. Yeah. Wow. And also, that man was a father. Frank Jones was a father. And Mama Issa says, And I'll never understand in a million years, he's a father. How in the world do you tell parents that you know where their child is and you're going to go get her and it all be a lie? Yeah. Could you imagine being a, a parent and inflicting that kind of intense pain on another person? No, but that man must be a sociopath who is absolutely disassociated himself from his emotions because I don't know how you could follow through on that kind of behavior uh, and prey on a family who is so horrified, yeah. terrified. Fuck you. Honestly, Frank Jones, wherever you are, you can choke. It's like my grandma used to say. what she say? Some people are like pennies, two-faced and worthless. All of a sudden, my grandma is not, no longer Italian <laughs> and Southern. No, I think I heard a drag queen say that once. Yeah, that's good. But it's true. Yeah, what a worthless piece of shit. I honestly hope you choke on a dick in jail. I do too. So another three months pass. There's no credible sightings of Amy, but in May of 2002, a formal naval officer says- A formal? Yeah. Was he dressed up for formal night? Was he wearing a cute little tuxedo? You know, I want you, y'all to- Your I want, tongue is tired. I what? want y'all to notice something that happens on this podcast. Yeah, what happened? Is that you are very quick. Yeah. Very quick to point out when I stumble over a word yeah, yeah. or a word don't come out right. Yeah. I don't do that same thing to you as quickly as mm-hmm. you do, yeah. but I'm going to start. And every time I do, uh-huh. I'm going to remind you of this. <laughs> moment okay so you understand the source of my vendetta Uh uh-huh listen honey i have told you you are not the dumbest person on the planet but you better hope that guy doesn't die what (laughs) (laughs) then in may 2002 a former naval officer comes forward with a troubling story four years earlier when amy was 23 years old he had encountered a young woman in a curacao brothel the girl leaned over I said, my name is Amy Bradley, and I need your help. She didn't tell him why. The former naval officer says he didn't contact authorities at the time because he was afraid he would be punished by the military for being in a brothel. Apparently, the naval officer is like, I didn't want to contact authorities at the time because I was afraid of being punished or kicked out of the military. Great, sir. So you were worried about this woman who was in distress who apparently asked you for help, said, my name is Amy Bradley, I need help, but because you're a selfish asshole, you decided not to report it until four years later Yeah. when the FBI goes to check out that brothel and it had burned to the ground. Burned to the ground. So seven years after Amy went missing, they receive a picture of a woman on a bed. She's not really, she's just kind of like in an underwear and bra. Yeah. And it was on a sex work site in the Caribbean. And they sent it for official facial, you know, comparison. And it did seem like it was her. It does look like her. Yeah. But, you know, then they have to contend with the fact of the alteration of the picture. Yes. Because you can't, you know, you can't. They couldn't prove it. Yeah. And it did look like her, I got to say, but it could have been, you know, Photoshop is a finicky, tricky little thing. And now it's been 20 years and the FBI still follows all leads. And this family holds on to hope because that's what every family does. As they should. So even though Amy Bradley was declared deceased in 2010, they are, of course, accepting any information 
regarding her disappearance because this family would love nothing more than to bring Amy home. There are several instances, I'll get into a couple of them after, where Amy has been seen. So if anyone out there has any information, you are encouraged to call the FBI at 202-278-2000. Now, this is obviously such a fascinating story to people on, you know, so many levels. But I do have a little information that I want to share. So your chances of falling overboard on a cruise ship are about one in 1.4 million. That being said, an average of 25 people fall off cruise ships every year. Out of that percentage, only about 17 to 25% of people make it out alive. Now, again, I do feel like I have a tiny bit of insight into this lifestyle. So two things, like when something, an emergency happens, and that could be anything from a man overboard to someone having a heart attack to some kind of accident, they don't want to yell over the tannoy, any of those things to alarm people. When I was on cruise ships, now the code is different for everything, but a code in an emergency or a man overboard was Bright Star when I was on a cruise ship. I only heard Bright Star two times in two years on cruise ships. And they'll say, Bright Star, Lido Deck, Bright Star. And they make it sound all perky so as not to alarm people. But I do think that's really confusing because if it is a man overboard, let's get 3,000 sets of eyes onto the water. Yeah. And if you want to rage further, a lot of my research showed that a lot of the cruise ships turn the blame towards the incident or the person experiencing the incident, and they will say that they were acting recklessly. So the cruise ship rarely takes accountability. Interesting. Yeah. And so there's a lot at stake. Again, them saying we don't want to alarm people, that tracks for me because those kinds of things happened all the time. Also, the thing about this case, obviously, could she have fallen off? Yes, but there were a lot of sightings, right? We got all of these sightings, which are very curious. In 2005, a woman was in Barbados, not far from Curacao, and she was in a restroom, and she saw two men loudly enter the bathroom, and then when they exited, a woman said, my name is Amy, and I'm from Virginia, and then they came and they grabbed her. All of these sightings are the things that the Bradley family are clinging on to, but if she fell in the water that night, and it was dark, and nobody saw her. Even the best of swimmers, there is little, little chance of survival. And of that 17% that I said do survive, a lot of them sadly pass shortly after due to, you know, elements or things that have happened. Rarely does anyone ever fall and is rescued and completely makes a full recovery. Yeah. Well, and something that I want to say is, is that, you know, if they were all drinking heavily and, you know, Papa Ron and and Mama uh, Iva were drinking, which they sh- it's vacation. Enjoy yourself. Right. But it's 1 a.m. And if they woke up and saw Amy at around 6 a.m. and you're still maybe you went to sleep at 1.30. That's not a lot of time. You could still be buzzing a little bit. And he said the second time I woke up, I don't know why I woke up. And it could have been Amy falling or something like that. A and noise, that's what, a ruckus yes, or something. That woke him up. And he didn't realize it. For me, 
it sounds like the probability of her falling over is yeah. high, yeah. which is terrible. terrible. We don't want that for no, them. No, of course but not. But I understand why the family, if they're like, if there are sightings, we have to pursue it. Every single one. Yeah. And you can just hear the pain in this family's voice. Anyway, we wish them the best. We and do. I mean, will there ever be answers? You know, we hope. And that's the thing, the, you know, the only thing we can do. So say something funny. Well, I hope that wherever Frank Jones is, he has been attacked by a flock of Muscovy ducks and can't find his way out of a swamp somewhere near a Gator City. Not a Muscovy duck! <laughs> <laughs> bow, 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 Poor Amy Bradley. Where Poor is Amy she? Amy Bradley. And Brad Bradley, you are so adorable. Even with the tragic name, you are the cutest little thing. This family is so sweet. I really do hope they find peace. I really do. And I hope that Amy's at peace wherever she is. Me too. We love you guys so much. Please follow us on social media at The Disappeared Pod on Instagram. We are obsessed with Disappeared on TikTok. You can find Joey at It's Joey Taranto on Instagram. And you can find me at Ellen Marsh or Ellen Marie Marsh on TikTok. I should change that. Uh, <laughs> and of course, join us on the Patreon to get a little bit more bonus content. Our Patreon are silly shows like I Almost Got Away With It, Pink Collar Crimes, who the bleep did I marry? We like to have a good laugh at crime over there. Hi, camp. Hi, camp. We try to veer away from the tears whenever possible over in the drama club and just have a laugh and a half. So please join <laughs> us there if you would like to. You can find it on our website at The Disappeared Pod by clicking our Patreon link. And we do love you so much and we appreciate you. And if you are having a good time, please head on over to iTunes. Give us a five-star review and please just write a little sentence about why you love us. It does help other people in the true crime world to find our little podcast, become a down bitch, and possibly enroll in Down Bitch University. I don't know. It's up to them. <laughs> but we appreciate you so much. We love you so much. We're having a blast with y'all. And I can't wait to see you guys live somewhere, hopefully. If not, send us a DM and we'll send you some love back. I love you, Joey. I love you, Yellow Marie. Love you, Down Bitches. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. God help the poor woman from Piedmont, North Dakota, who just waddled up to you it's and was like, can I ask you a question? And you're like, oh, sure. Yeah. I got the answer for you. It's true. I, so I, how were the accommodations in steerage? Yeah. I hear they're quite nice on this ship. <laughs> <laughs> to have I you think back. you stumble more than I stumble. I do stumble a lot. I stumble for you. It's you not the stumble out of bed and you tumble to the... Also, the, the lyric is not, I'll stumble for I you. It's I'll tumble, I know, but I changed the lyric for comedic value. Well, I don't like your comedy. Uh <laughs> I don't value your comedy. Okay, well. <laughs> I do, I love you. I don't value your attitude, but here I am, stuck with you. Fair. Okay. <laughs> the, 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 um, the, the re, no, wow, that was a short circuit. And they enlist the help of Loki. Lo they enlist the help of Loki's. <laughs> Loki came. You know what? Let's get you some babble for English. Let's do that. You know what? Let's get you someone else. Maybe Natalie could join this <laughs> podcast. She's got a nice personality. Listen, keep going. He's getting tired. Okay, go.